We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to have you with us on this post-Christmas pre-New Year broadcast of the Core. We'll be with you today. Uh, Rick will be with you tomorrow as he is each Tuesday and Thursday, and then we'll see you after the New Year. Uh, We'll be live Monday on the broadcast, AFA at the Core. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and uh, and I hope you have a happy new year in the coming days. A um, lot to get to today. We'll start out in Scripture. Psalm chapter 53 is where we are this week, where we are today. Psalm chapter 53. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable, abominable iniquity. There is none who does good, David says. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have those who work evil no knowledge, who eat up my peoples as they eat bread and do not call upon God? There they are, a great terror, where is there, where there is no terror. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Uh, First few verses here is what I want to point out. That was the entirety of Psalm chapter 53. But verse 2 says that, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So this is really a a um, a little dose of reality for us. You know, a lot of people talk about God as this abstract God, this God uh, that exists uh, in, from a distance. Um, this uh, many people talk about God as this non-personal God. Uh, But that's really not true. That's really a mischaracterization. Here, David says that God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. And so as a a dad to four boys, you kind of get this visual here, or I do. I get this visual of of a parent kind of peering over into the activities of the children. And you can do that oftentimes, and the kids don't even know you're watching. It's kind of funny. Um, Or, you know, it can end up getting them in trouble if they don't know you're watching, and they're going to misbehave, and they just think you're not looking. But just think of this. Think of parents kind of peering over into a room full of their children, um, interacting and doing things, and you you can kind of see how God is looking down from heaven on the children of man. That's what David says in verse 2, to see if there are any who understand, who seek 
after God. So a reminder to each of us that, yes, God is looking down from heaven on each and every one of us, and he's looking to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after him. Uh, So may we not leave God looking long before he finds uh, some of us that are seeking after God. Uh, Moving into some of our stories for the day, by the way, we'll have uh, my brother Wesley. He'll be in with us um, in the second segment as he is each Tuesday, or each Wednesday, rather, of of, of our week. And uh, we'll also have a special guest uh, from the uh, organization then before us. We'll have Katie Fostone. She's a founder and president to talk about the work of them before us and the ministry there. Uh, but jumping into some of the stories, you know, the uh, what's going on uh, on the border uh, has been a, been a travesty for a while now, for a couple of decades. Definitely not a news story uh, down there, but we do have a, a really a surge of tens of thousands of illegal immigrants down there, really hundreds of thousands practically speaking, on the border, and they're waiting for this Title 42 to end. And all just to sum it up and keep things simple, which a lot of people have a hard time doing, but all t- Title 42 is, is it's an executive um, provision that the president can implement, can deploy uh, to aid in an emergency. And in this case, it was COVID. This is, goes back three years. But uh, Title 42 was used by the Trump administration to get a get a, a further hold on uh, uh, immigration crossing on, on our southern border. And so President Biden, of course, tries to rescind it, just like they try to rescind everything that Trump did, whether, whether it's actually good or not. It doesn't matter. If Trump did it, we're going to rescind it. That's their motto. So Biden's been trying to rescind this Title 42, and it's actually hung up at the Supreme Court now. But nonetheless, it's... Um, it's going to take away another tool for immigrations and customs enforcement to use uh, to control what's going on uh, on the southern border. But um, but on that note, I want to play a clip here. Um, this is a gentleman uh, by the name, uh, actually a representative there. He, he used to serve under Trump as a uh, acting ICE director. Um, Ron Vitilio is his name, and this is his comment on Title 42 ending, how many people are on the border, and and actually can anything be done to to slow down this scourge of what's going on on the border? Let's listen. The White House has absolutely no credibility on this issue, right? Two years ago, when this president took over, there were 40-year lows in activity of illegal migration across the southwest border. On day one, he ripped down the migrant protection protocols, the Remain in Mexico program, the asylum accords with the Northern Triangle. And two years later, after an entire last year of record surge across the border, now we're in the second year of this presidency with the largest surge across the southwest border that we've ever seen. Congress does have a role here. The threshold for asylum claims at the border without sufficient detention um, is causing part of this problem. It's been a problem for quite some time. Congress has failed to act for quite some time. But this president made choices that put us in the predicament that we're in. And Title 42 wouldn't be important if they were enforcing the law in a very specific way at the southwest border. 
All right, so that's Ron Vitilio. He uh, used to be the acting ICE director under Donald Trump. Uh, not not a congressman, by the way. I misspoke there, but he did used to serve in the executive branch um, uh, at the Immigration and Customs Enforcement under the Department of Homeland Security. But, you know, to his point, you know, Title 42 is just really one part of this puzzle. And uh, I, I really don't like all the focus on Title 42. I, re- I understand why people are upset that Biden's rescinding it. But but there's rules on the books. There's laws on the books that that can be used other than Title 42 to get a hold of what's going on on our border. And you know th- this is just this just baffles me. It's it's beyond understandable what's going on down there. I mean, I talked about this a few weeks ago before the for the Christmas break. It's just astonishing. I mean, I've never seen anything like it by any nation state actor. I mean, I, I literally, in the history books, and there may be a, a rare case out there, but, and, and Europe's probably the most, you know, equivalent case of this, but I just don't know of a nation-state actor in world history that that just totally neglects one of the most fundamental parts of being a state, being a nation, being a country. And that is the control of who comes in and out of your nation. And the, the utter neglect here, and it's, it's to, uh, to, to no benefit of our nation. Oh, oh, it's cheap labor, Walker. It's cheap labor. Okay, well, it's also illegal labor. And they're not paying taxes. So, so how does that work out for us? I mean, it's like somebody's broken into your house and you did them a little wink-wink while they're coming in the door, and but they're really not supposed to be there. And, and they're not contributing anything. Everything they're doing is sucking and draining the, the resources of the household, and they're not contributing anything. Oh, well, they're contributing to the workforce. Yeah, but they're not paying taxes. They're not contributing to the system, to the economy. Working illegally in America, all that's benefiting is corporations. That's not benefiting you and me. And that's really just a lousy excuse. We can we can surge in labor if we need a surge in labor and we can do it legally. It's called a work visa. And a lot of people use it. But 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 we've our federal government for the last thirty years, this isn't a twenty twenty two problem, folks. This is like a nineteen nineties problem. This is an old problem. So so you got folks who really just don't care. Or they do care, they just care about the wrong things. But anybody, pretty much I would say, I would go as far to say that anybody who's not willing to take extreme, hardcore measures to solve the border problem, they're not qualified to serve in government. They're not qualified to serve in Congress. They're not qualified to serve in the executive branch. They're not qualified to serve in the judiciary. This whole, you know, we got to do amnesty and we got to negotiate with the radical Democrats who hate our guts, who hate our nation, 
No, 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 no. That's not how this goes, folks. You don't get to destroy something and then be there at the table to rebuild it if you're the one that destroyed it. And this is what that's what we're dealing with. You don't get to, before your very eyes, under your watch, get to let our country be flooded with millions of people who are here illegally. You don't get to do that. That didn't get to happen on your watch. And then when, when people start talking solutions, you get to show up to the negotiating table and be a part of the solutions game. No, that doesn't happen. You don't get, you know, if, if a CEO utterly destroys and bankrupts a corporation, he shouldn't get to be at the table when the board has to come in and try to fix it. No, he's out. He's gone. He's a part of the problem, so he can't be a part of the solution. And that's why it's going to take a completely new way of thinking in Washington, D.C. I mean, Washington, D.C. is just pervasive in this outdated lousy, losing, lazy, I mean, I can come up with all the type of words. These people operate like a bunch of losers. If you put them in charge of a company for like an hour, it would be bankrupt. They would be doing the chapter, you know, bankruptcy, like FTX is having to do now. But, But the American people, we keep electing, and look at Joe Biden. I mean, the guy's been in politics for 50 years. He started, like, running for mayor in Delaware or something, or city council. And the guy's still in politics, and, and what's on his resume? Nothing. There's no significant achievements on his resume, yet he's POTUS. He's president of the United States. I mean, it should cause us concern that I'm not saying 80 plus million showed up for him because who knows how many of the votes were were fraudulent, fake, made up, all that. But we've at least got to come to grips, folks, that tens of millions, 60, 70, 75 plus million people showed up and said, yeah, I want Uncle Joe to be my president. Folks, there's a lot of election fraud. There's a lot of election process problems, illegality. I get it. But we got to come to grips, folks, that we're a morally depraved nation with half of the country that's okay with the nonsense. We got to hit at the heart of the problem, and that is the moral fabric of our nation. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, if you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in scripture. You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. How have you helped form your girls' view of God? The ways we talk about, worship, revere, and interact with God in our daily lives shapes how our girls will relate to Him as well. Beyond that, the more truth we know about God and His love, the better we can embody it to the world. Using because God is statements shows your girl that the names and traits of God spill over into her identity as a daughter made in His likeness. Because God is loving, I can be kind. Because God is redeeming, I can forgive. You get the idea. Together with your daughter, make a list of all God's character traits. These are the because God is statements. Then connect how those truths can spill out into her role as his godly girl. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, on our spiritual heritage tours in June and September of 2023, we're going to be going to the Arlington National Cemetery. It's one of our stops, and we'll be seeing the gravesite of John F. Kennedy. We'll be going to the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier that I just mentioned, which is just a, a very patriotic place to be in those hallowed grounds of Arlington National Cemetery. So it's going to be just one of our stops on one of our days. We're going to see the Capitol building. We're going all over Washington, D.C., including Mount Vernon, George Washington's home. So if you want to go with us, then go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. The itinerary, the cost, the dates, everything is there. Spiritualheritagetours.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family 
Radio. This is uh, Stephen Stanley. You just heard there. That's the artist. The song is "Rest in the Father," and in uh, our our Heavenly Father, that is where we find rest, and that's why Christ came to give us peace, to give us rest, uh, and to bear uh, the sins of the world. That's what the Christmas season and all year is about. Is about how Christ came to take our burden, to take our sin, to offer forgiveness and offer access to the Father. And uh, we can we can benefit in that manner by believing in Christ for salvation, believing he's the Son of God. Wesley, welcome to the core. Hey, I'm glad to be on. Look, I've got some good news for our listening audience. I know over the years, uh, well, how, long, how long have I been on? You've been you. on with me probably close to a year. It used to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, now Wednesdays, but yeah. in total about probably a year. Probably, yeah. Okay, so in all this time... Uh, there's been something that I've worked through and our audience has prayed about. And that's This is going to be good. When I put on my headset, I uh, used yep. to constantly complain about my hair because I work really hard on it in the morning. <laughs> okay. And I, good, did, I didn't see this coming, but I'm glad we're here now. And I'm just glad to announce to all that are listening that moving into New Year, I have found a new jail. And so we will not have this issue anymore. We're not complaining on the radio. Praise I God. I have good jail for my hair. Is, which, it, is it a firmer hold? Is that what it's you, a firmer what hold? Yeah. So okay. you can do a lot. So are they and, sponsoring you? They're not. But with uh, uh, you know a third <laughs> child now, fifteen months, the climbing and the pulling, yeah. and 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 the and the putting them on the shoulder and then them falling asleep on my head. Sure. Uh, I've got. A, I've, let me ask. It was worth though, the research. What, what that like promoting brands? Let mm-hmm. me ask about colors because I can tell. What brand it is by the color? Mm-hmm, yeah. Is it blue or not? Blue. It's blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you get it from the same hairdresser that what you and I use? <laughs> no, 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 no. no Jill, I don't even know. Your wife just, picked it up yep, somewhere. Wife okay. picked it up. Uh, she knew well, I needed well, it. Well, let so. me just and and let me just Going say this, and then we'll move on. If for some reason you have trouble out of this hair gel, give me a call. I've got. I'll give the, you a call. I've yeah. literally got the firmest hair gel that's existent on this planet. Now the yours may be dangerously firm. It, I just it, need. It could be dangerous if you use too much. Right. Yeah, but my but, my hair will hold for a solid twenty four hours. But I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that they didn't have to. For so many people been tuned out because they're like, "Well, here goes Wesley. He's on now. He's going to talk about." It. No, yeah, no yeah. more. No more. You're good. No more. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Uh, and so, so that, when you take the headset off, your hair's going to be fine. Back the same. No problem. Worry about it. Okay. Nope, not good. another word about it. There won't good. be a trench. No, nope, no trench. Running east and well, west. Well, exactly. you know, some, some could accuse <laughs> us of being divas. <laughs> right. But we'll move on. We'll move on. We all okay. have different priorities in our life. And, yes. And we know what yours come is up. now. Hey look, on, hey, look, on a serious note, as we go into the new year, uh, I thought we could take uh, a note, some notes from Galatians chapter six. Uh, you read from Psalms earlier in the mm-hmm. program, uh, Galatians chapter six, uh, and it says here, you know, we uh, before I read it, you know, we all have times in our own lives and times in the lives of our friends, our family members, our, our close uh, uh, close friends, uh, maybe church members, that where we go through a time where there's things in our life that causes us or, or pull, not causes us necessarily, but more so theologically pulls us in a sinful direction. And so uh, Galatians chapter 6 talks about this. It said, when, it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. But watch yourself or you may be tempted as well. So we have an obligation as Christians those that are mature, and, and we all need to be moving toward maturity. Um, and so 
that comes from the the teaching, being around the teaching of God's word and its whole con, and its whole uh, counsel, also comes from experience. You know, being a, being able to persevere through the spirit of difficult situations, and so as we mature and we're all at different stages, we should be able to be prepared and 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 willing to help reach out to and whether that's inviting them to a lunch whether that's in the moment you know sometimes you have to do it in the moment or pull them away from a bigger crowd maybe that may be it but we should be willing out of love for others to be able to help restore them and you know we talked about this walker you know going into the new years i understand and i totally get it and i we've all done it you know january one's is a good opportunity for many people to have a reset button and to start something new or, or to stop do, doing something they've been doing sure and so i understand that but uh, as we all know and i know it's, it's cliche but it's we need to talk it needs to be brought up for this discussion but we don't have to wait till january one and we don't have to uh, wait till it comes back around again. Yeah, to start to make changes. That's right. Yeah, and and to your point, Wesley, we this uh, what what you're talking about in Galatians, uh, as far as uh, aiding other believers, you know how to work through conflict. What what is our role as a believer as far as um, giving wise counsel to others and and resolving differences? The uh, that's that's really uh, there there are some parts of Scripture that maybe are applicable at different times in your life or different mm-hmm. days, you know, in your life. But this is this, everybody has gone through this where, where you, we are, we are called to, to help others, to give others godly wisdom, to, to point others towards Christ and godly living. Uh, so this, this is very relevant, Wesley, and should be to your point, applicable and in use all year round, not just during, during a New Year's resolution, but we gotta we gotta apply God's word to our lives, twenty four seven three six five. And the, some of the principles we can take away just from verses one through three uh, is that we are not responsible for the cause of someone else's sin, um, however, uh, or for them to be caught up. But we also have a, a responsibility, a role. We need to be open to that, whatever that role is, how God would use us. And, and constantly praying because the Holy Spirit is what will help reverse course. There's a couple places in Scripture when this is brought up. There, there's several places in Scripture that helps us uh, understand how to navigate relationships and uh, navigate uh, uh, difficult circumstances or people that are, are caught in sin. But the two most um, important chap- uh, places in Scripture in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 18 and 1 Corinthians 5, that is worth going to read if you have a direct conflict with with an individual, uh, specifically a Christian, but also the principles apply across the board, even to non-Christian friends. But that's Matthew chapter 18, 1 Corinthians 5. That helps us understand how to navigate when we have friends that are, that are in uh, sin and are in a bad place and how to give them great counsel. So you're going to want to go check those out. Were you want to say something? Yeah, yeah. Back back to Galatians chapter 6, you know, verse 1, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Mm-hmm. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And this is good because we do need to examine ourselves. Yeah. You know, oftentimes we do get... Um, uh, consumed and really get this. Some some people get this, you know, pride in examining other people and talking about how other people aren't doing things right. Yeah, sure. But Wesley, it's so important in order for us individually to live righteous lives, for us to do as verse four says and test our own actions against the word of God or in comparison to or in alignment with the word of God. 
And that's another reason why I mentioned Matthew 18, because in Matthew 18 it says to take the pluck, uh, get the log out of your own eye before you try to get the speck out of your brother. So that's a good mm-hmm. point. Uh, uh, verse 2, carry the burdens, carry, uh, carry other burdens, others' burden, and in so you fulfill the law of Christ. That's one of the best, shortest Bible verses you can memorize. Yeah. That's one of the best, shortest Bible verses you can memorize. Carry each other's burden, and in so you fulfill the law of Christ. The reason that's important to be brought up is because there's a distinguishable difference, uh, not a stark difference, night and day difference, of the of the carrying the burden for someone else of care and carrying the burden of responsibility. And that's what I yeah. wanted to emphasize between the two, and that's it. I'm responsible for carrying the one of your a uh, burden that you may have of caring for you for whatever you're caught in, yeah. Walker, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But in my attempt or your attempt to help me, and this is the this is the illustration analogy we'll use. Let's say that I have been caught in a a sin and I'm continuing on it and it's only progressing. What well, let's just use this example. Um um I'm um I'm over I'm I'm overstepping or I'm putting down my wife. Let's say I'm putting down my wife in yeah. public, not purposefully, but for whatever reason, and you notice it. And I've done it once, okay, I've done it twice, and now you say I need to address Wesley. He's really, you know, not whether he realizes or not, he's 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 putting his wife down publicly, and he doesn't need to do that. So you sure. come and you address that with me. Whether it fails, whether your approach to me fails or works, if mm-hmm. it works, praise God, and I've been restored. If it fails. The burden of responsibility still lays on me for my actions, not on you. Yes. And so I, the reason that may seem the way I just described it as obvious, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people struggle with that. People do. They, they take on other people's burdens. Yep. Not take not take on their care. Care because that we we should care for others. That's what that's what it says here. Yes, and we should share in one another's burdens. Uh, but we don't care. Need, we don't need to assume responsibility right. for other people's actions. Exactly, and so just being able to distinguish the difference between those two, it's helpful. And I wanted to, while that may be obvious to some, I know I know people personally who, in their attempt to help somebody get better, what, let's just say they're recovering from an addiction, or let's say they're recovering from a fallen marriage, and their attempt to help them. If they if their efforts doesn't work, they begin to feel responsible for it, and that's just not fair. That's not true. The person that has got themselves in the in that issue is responsible. Um, so we want to make sure we yeah. distinguish between the two. And one of the most frequent, probably one of the most frequent cases of of this is dealing with um, family members fa- or, yeah, like, or kids. Uh, well, yeah, you got prodigal, like a prodigal child, which is very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but not just a, a child or a prodigal, but uh, you know, a, a brother, a sister, That's an right. aunt, close or friend, uncle, yeah. a, a close friend, a relative, a loved one that has just dr- either drifted away from God or they never knew God, right, sure. and they've never been close to God. But you know, a, a lot of people spend spend their life second guessing mm-hmm. and 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 just punishing themselves sure. because they feel like it's their responsibility that the person in their life is not. Uh, being restored or not close to God or has wandered astray, and it's and, not, and, and in the event that you have something that you regret or you wish you could have done different, that's why God gives us grace and He gives us second chances. And there's it's never too late to go back. You and I both done it. We've all done it. Yeah. If you're if you're as part of maturing in Christ, as part of growing in Christ, you go back and you apologize to somebody for something yeah. you realize later on 
that you may have caused them to point them in the wrong direction. And so there's plenty of opportunity for that every day. You know, we're talking about New Year's and having more opportunities. Yeah, and when you do make mistakes, absolutely you need to take that path. You need to repent. You need to try to reconcile the situation and and correct that that behavior but or that decision. Sure. But also, Wesley, sometimes there's – you're not. No, you're there's not. nothing that you did wrong. Sure. There's nothing that said parent did wrong in the upbringing of their children, specifically. Just because that has led, that has sure. caused their child to stumble. That's also Some very possible. Some people just don't come to Christ. And they reject Him out sure. of their own will, sure. and and they just they just wholeheartedly reject God. And so, but but in all of this, I just want to encourage people. Every decision you make, every action you take, every word you say, every thought you have, you need to ask yourself, is is what I'm doing here honoring God? Is it in line with the will of God? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, what is the will of God? Well, read the word of God. Sure, start and, there. And, and let's start place. there, uh, God's will for your life. Let's make daily decisions, minute by minute, by hour by hour, that are that we're confident are in line with God's word. Mm-hmm. That way, we don't have to go back and second guess. I mean, these times of these the the time people spend worrying and second guessing about decisions they made weeks, months, or years ago is wasted time mm-hmm. that is not being used for the kingdom. Absolutely, and Satan's involved in a lot of that. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Yes. Uh, hey, hey, Ver, let's uh, try to land this plane here. We'll skip down. I want I want to end on a wonderfully encouraging note from God's word. But before I do, before we get to that point of uh, verse seven, it says, "Do not be do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Obviously, if you sow good, you reap good, eternal life, uh, beneficial things. Or hmm. or if you sow uh, to the to the flesh, you'll reap the flesh. The reason that's important to point out, and one thing I take away from that is to be very confident, no matter what phase you are, and and, and somebody mistreating you, or, or or something not going the way you thought." God's going to get the last word. Mm. Uh, I don't know what point, you know, I can't speak to everyone's situation, but know that to be, you can put your faith and trust in God and his word because he will get the last word. Walker, let's conclude this way. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us not grow weary in doing good because in due time we will reap if we don't give up. So as we head into 2023, don't give up. Uh, continue to pursue God. Continue to put your faith and trust in him. And he will pull you through because if we don't give up, we saw that in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. There was hundreds and hundreds and made thousands of Christian conservatives that did not give up in the fight over the 40 years and they got overturned. Amen. Thanks, Wesley. Hey, glad to be on. Appreciate that. Left you plenty of time to get us out of here. Awesome. <laughs> hey, don't forget to watch the show. You can see Wesley and I in studio each week. With streaming.afa.net gel. with the hair gel. <laughs> Check it out, folks. Streaming.afa.net. We got one segment left. Stay tuned. The AFA Resource Center has all your favorite items everything from books, movies, shirts, and even hats. Introducing AFA's polyester and twill hats, starting at just $18. Whether you're into fashion, a collector, or you're just having a bad hair day, these hats are just what you need. You can buy one for yourself or a friend. Purchase your AFA hat today at resources.afa.net. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep. This is not a drill. Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. 
So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and what a joy and comfort those words bring when we read those in our own Bible in the early part of John's Gospel. He tells us that God made good on His promise to give us Jesus, right, who's with us and He's for us. Oh, the joy to read that around our dinner tables and in front of our fireplaces around Christmas time. but to think there's Bibleist believers around the world who have been denied God's Word. They've never been able to read the Christmas story for themselves, but oh, the joy of thinking of many Christmas Christians who will have that privilege this year. AFR listeners, you've blessed 12,000 Bibleist persecuted believers with their very own Bible in the last few weeks. Would you help us do it for another 4,000 before the end of the year? $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. As we approach a new year, think of new beginnings. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning, God. There's no better place to start than in the beginning, because only God was there and only God is the beginning. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and another Stand in the Gap Minute urging you to start this year with God. If you don't know Him personally, accept Jesus now as Savior. If you've trusted Christ as Savior by faith alone, are you living in obedience 24 hours a day? Are you serving Him with your whole heart? Is He your highest priority? Are you living your life purposely and intentionally for Him? Is Christ first in your thinking, choices, actions, and worship? January marks a new month and a new year for us all. Would you join together with us at Stand in the Gap Radio and TV by starting this year outright with God as the beginning? Visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Good to have you with us today on the program. Well, we do have a special guest with us uh, that I teased and talked about in the first segment of the core. We have Katie Foss with us. She's founder and president of Them Before Us, and uh, she's on with us now to talk about the ministry and the work that they do over at Them Before Us. Hey, uh, Katie, thanks so much for coming on the core. It's great to be with you, Walker. Well, uh, Katie, uh, for those who haven't heard of or aren't familiar with your work, Them Before Us, tell us uh, a little bit about the background of the ministry and some of the core things that you guys do. Well, the background is uh, I was just a pastor's wife and stay-at-home mom 10 years ago, but when the marriage debate started to rage across the country, um, I saw that it was very clearly a debate that was framed in terms of what adults want. Um, I heard the other side who was pushing for gay marriage, talking about how kids don't care if they have two moms or two dads, and I had been working with kids in youth ministry for a long time. I have a background in adoption, um, and I had never met a kid that didn't care that they lost their mother or father, because that's really what it means to have two moms or two dads. It means you're missing your mom or your dad. So I saw them, in essence, um, using deep childhood pain to forward a political goal. Um, And then the more that I wrote and the more that I started to speak up about this, the more I realized that every 
topic related to marriage and family obsessively focuses on what adults want, and it denies children their right to be known and loved by both their mom and dad. So that's what them before us is. It is them, the children, before us, the adults. Children's rights, right to their mother and father before adults' desire for whatever they want in their romantic or relationships. So uh, that's what we do. We look at every marriage and family issue, whether it's the definition of marriage or divorce or same-sex parenting or sperm and egg donation or surrogacy or adoption through the lens of what is best for children and children's right to their mom and dad. You know, Katie, that's a <clears throat> definitely and unfortunately a countercultural way of thinking, but it's a biblical way of thinking because, you know, um, as you know, looking at statistics, since well, once again, or, or as I've said before, statistics aren't everything, but they do tell us a story. Um, statistically speaking, children do better uh, overall in various societal categories and data points when they have a mom and a dad in the home. Now, there can be, you know, a child who wanders astray um, that had a mom and a dad in the home, so that doesn't guarantee lifelong success from a biblical standpoint, but it does set the children up for success when there's a mom and a dad at home. So to me, Katie, having the right setup and the right home structure is half the battle. You're exactly right. Um, And at Them Before Us, we are, um, we're a nonprofit that has supporters from the five major religions of the world, all across the world. Um, it's a global children's rights movement. Our work has been translated into multiple languages because these truths apply everywhere. And we argue on a natural law, social science basis, but what you said is exactly right. The natural world is going to align with God's word because they have the same author. God designed man and woman to come together in a lifelong union Exactly because, as it says in Malachi chapter 2, he's seeking godly offspring. How do you get offspring with a man and a woman? How do you ensure that they are godly or stack the deck in favor of their godliness? It is by having their mother and father united for life. And so most of the social ills that we are seeing in society today, child poverty, homelessness, teen suicide, high school dropouts, teen pregnancy, behavioral issues, high incarceration rates. I always ask my audiences, what do all those things have in common? And the answer is they're overpopulated by fatherless children. That if we, I mean, short of an absolute revival where every knee bows and every tongue confesses Christ in this country, God's design for sex and marriage could save our nation, literally. Everything that we are spending hundreds of millions of dollars trying to solve could be fixed if we respected children's right to their mother and father and encouraged moms and dads to raise their children together. And so our nonprofit really is talking about marriage and family in a new way. Um, It may be an old message, but this is the new lens through which we need to look not just at marriage, but every other family issue as well. Yeah, and and Katie, this really honestly relieves, uh, to me, it relieves others in the lives of our children from this burden of feeling like they're the sole influencer of the child. And what I'm talking about is is teachers, Sunday school teachers, you know, children's ministers, um, all kind of uh, even law enforcement, any type of influencer in one's life or, some, or, or an adult who interacts with children, 
you know, we place a lot of, in my opinion, over, we place a lot of responsibility too much, honestly, in the hands of teachers and law enforcement as if they're like the parents. And at the end of the right. day, really, the the job of law enforcement and of any other, you know, public servant, if you will, and teachers, so on and so forth, their roles should be limited, their scope should be very limited, and their job should actually be very easy if parents are doing their job. I mean, this idea that police officers have to be like psychiatrists, counselors, principals, uh, teachers, parents, all this in the job of a law enforcement officer, I mean, our, our expectations for them are way out of order. Parents ought to be doing the vast majority of this work in the household. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, what I've seen, especially in schools, is as the family has broken down, as parents have become uh, more detached um, through breakdown, through divorce, through single parenthood, um, oftentimes these days more and more by choice, um, through all kinds of modern family arrangements, which are inherently unstable, um, the child is going to need parental guidance and connection from someone. And if it's not their own mom and dad, they're going to crave it from colleges, from schools. They're, you know, if they're not being taught boundaries um, at home, the police will teach that to you. Yes. And so that we do see um, almost a predictable rise in criminality, especially among boys who don't have a dad, yeah. because someone is going to teach you how to respect authority. And if it's not your dad, when you're wrestling on the floor as a six-year-old, sometimes the first person to do that is a cop. Um, and I, you're exactly right about schools. You know, my kids are all teenagers and um, largely at public schools, and they have shifted into um, emotional support units, but without any of the corrective and disciplinary measures that good parenting must, I mean, we are asking so much of our teachers because parents are obsessively focusing on their own romantic desires to the detriment of a stable home for the kids. Yeah, and Katie, and this is this is a lot of the work that your organization does in emphasizing this, but you know, the the, the it's it's in government's interest, best interest for a for a stable family unit to flourish in America across across the nation. It's in the government's best interest. But uh, as we've seen over the years, Katie, with Obergefell, with adoption laws, are, are the convoluted and, and overly priced uh, adoption process, um, the, the foster, the, the red tape galore in the foster care system. I mean, I could go on and on. But the state has neglected its fundamental duty to protect the biblical family model, which is in the, really in the best interest of the state and of the government, they've completely neglected that, Katie, and worked in the opposite direction to undermine one of the one of the foundational uh, institutions that God created. That that is part yeah. of the three that God created with government, the family, and the church. Yeah, well, and I would say that it is in a responsible government or a limited government's interest to have a strong family. But if you want a tyrannical government, you must destroy the family, mm. right? When children cannot rely on their parents, they will rely on somebody. And that is why you've seen um, 
communist, Marxist leaders all across the world, in essence, seek to separate parents from their children, often through indoctrination. And so we see a lot of that happening in the United States now, obviously, with attacks on parental rights, um, that we see that through medical decisions and educational decisions, of course. Um, And so what we're doing at Them Before Us is we're saying, Thankfully, there has been a resurgence in people who are advocating for the protection of parental rights. At Them Before Us, we're actually looking at it from the perspective of the child. Parents, yes, have a right to their children to direct their upbringing and their education, but children have a right to their parents as well. And these days, too often, children are being treated as accessories or commodities, um, something to which adults are owed instead of gifts around which adults must conform their lives. So you're exactly right that, um, you know, government, good government should be encouraging the natural family unit, the married mother and father, which is the only relationship that unites the two people to whom children have a natural right, their mom and dad. Absolutely. Hey, Katie, uh, thanks so much for your work over there at Them Before Us. How can folks check out your your organization, your work, and be a part of of your organization? Come to thembeforeus.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We have huge things going on. We are, my goal is to take over the world. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Uh, I want... I want the child to be the central focus in all of these conversations on marriage and family. Um, we have a book, and if you, want, if you want to be an expert on all these topics and have your mind blown and be filled with courage, get our book, Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement, um, and stay with us. Follow our work because there are huge things happening next year, and um, I'd love for you to be a part of it. Absolutely. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for coming on the core. Thank you, Walker. All right, appreciate it. Uh, the organization there is Them Before Us, thembeforeus.com, thembeforeus.com. And, you know, as Katie and I were talking, think about think about how much misplaced trust, or not, not misplaced trust, but misplaced unrealistic expectations we put on 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 the public that really are on on, on the shoulders of us as parents, folks. I mean, really, the goal as a parent should be, hey, my child should have, when they grow up and as they're growing up, my if I raise them properly, they should have minimal interaction with law enforcement. Minimal, very minimal interaction with police officers. And the extent of interaction my children should have with police officers is probably because they're going five miles over the speed limit when they got their driver's license. All right, this this idea and this expectation that it's the job of law enforcement to counsel our children, to interact with our children, to mold our children, to correct our children. I mean, that that's totally misplaced expectations and unrealistic expectations. Law enforcement should be the last line of defense when people go astray, deny God, reject uh, the role of government, reject the, the, the authority of government and law and order. That's where the thin blue line is. But if but, but the parents, folks, we got to step it up. We got to step it up and get our households in order and get our children in order, obeying our authority, submitting themselves to our authority, 
submitting themselves to God's authority in their life so that you don't have to say, well, you know, uh, 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 we don't have to put this, this hope in law enforcement to somehow come in and save the day all the time. Same thing with public educators, with teachers. I mean, the teacher's job should be to help educate our children in the fundamentals of how to think, how to grow, how to, how to use your brain for godly purposes. The role of public educators is not to paddle and to spank and to, you know, to put you in time out and spend half their time disciplining. That should all happen in the household. And, and and then you, you when you do that, folks, we really remove a lot of this big government, welfare, you know, bureaucratic state, government's got to be involved in everybody's lives, government's got to over-regulate everything. If we will, we will truly embrace the parental uh, mandate by God to disciple and bring our children up in the way of the Lord, and if we do that faithfully— um, a lot of these other problems will really fix themselves. A lot of these other problems will be solved, and it will really set up uh, our country, our nation, uh, to flourish and to do so in a biblical uh, manner. I mean, just just the way God set up everything is the best way. It's the perfect way. And, and I know, I'm not naive, I know that we live in a fallen world, uh, we will not have our glorified bodies. We will not have our sinless uh, bodies until we're in heaven, until we're in eternity, until Christ has returned and and uh, and redeemed the remnant. I get that. I understand that. I'm not naive to that. But you and I are called to expand the territory of the kingdom while we're here on this earth and to convert other people to the life-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, we will get glimpses of heaven. We will get glimpses of eternity here on this earth as we obey God. AFA at the core, thanks for joining the show today. Don't forget to check out the podcast over at AFR.net. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.